Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey now, it's time, mon ami. This is Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip because today we're getting really practical as we start to talk about that process of what to do when there are new beginnings. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm going to give you not only six steps that you can use to get going to get your new beginning happening but we'll also be looking at where do you actually fit in the grand scheme of society and once you know where you have been how to pivot and change to be in that sweet spot of where you need to be to make take advantage of being in the right place at the right time for these new beginnings so go on stick with me and I'll see you on the flip Hey there, thank you so much for joining me on The Flip. Let's go on and get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about the process of beginning. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because whether you want to face it or not, we are in this process of beginning. Now, let me bring you up a little bit to speed. If you haven't been joining me on our daily talks, I started being led. I'm just going to say it because I can't take uh, credit for it, but I started being led by the spirit of wisdom to start talking about the process of order turning into chaos. And this was the latter part of last year. And into this year, we talked a lot about getting used to what chaos brings and then the um, ha- what what chaos uh, presents to us. And it's kind of like the equi- equivalent of death and resurrection, judgment, if you will, the phoenix, all of that. And so people are always uh, wonderful when they have order and they are enamored when there is newness, when there is birth. Think about when a baby is born. Everybody is so excited. When that baby is here, there are congratulations, smiles, and all of that. But guess what? But next, For the next like <laughs> about good 10 years, next decade of raising that child and being in that child's life and knowing that everything you do, they're recording, they're walking around in a hypnotic state that they take in without filter any and everything you do. And that if you do something to hurt and crush their little hearts, it's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And we're not going to even talk about uh, the sleep patterns and how to try to raise them and feed them and communicate with them when their little minds and bodies or they're just able to really handle just trying to grow each day and the sleepless nights and all the worry and all of the different things in this big world that could crush them 
And so that process of beginning is uh, (laughs) more than an ocean. And so because we're moving into that, chaos is continuing to to roll through. And I'm not saying that we're not finished with chaos because chaos can happen in an instant and it can drag on in, in various different ways in our lives all at the same time. But for those areas where you see that things are starting to settle into some type of working order where there is a newness emerging, a new way, a new pattern, a new birth of something emerging. This is my way of giving you something to help you with the process of beginning. And at the time of recording today is Mother's Day and I wanted to channel that nurturing energy that brings us through that process of labor, delivery, birth, and rearing. Okay, so let's get into it. The first thing I want to say is, is that whenever you want to figure out what is the generalized potential or the pros and cons of something, look at our history as a people. And when I say as a people, I'm talking about humanity. I am not talking about the history of who did what to whom. I am just really talking about our evolutionary history. And one of the things that really stands out when you start to look at the patterns for when new things come, new births, new ages, there is always, and haven't found it to be any different yet, but there has always been mass fear. Whenever something is new, there is mass fear. And it's not a put down. This is part of our DNA, our our evolutionary makeup that has us be skeptical of new things. Because when we were hunter-gatherers way back in the way back, something new could possibly be dangerous. And a lot of times it was. And so deeply encoded Right along with uh, uh, loud, unexpected sounds, something new, usually and firstly, the first reaction is some type of fear. And even contemporary wise, if you just look at, and I love to talk about the powers of the air. I did a podcast about that a few weeks ago. But just even looking at how we started discovering um, the the powers of the air from a scientific standpoint. If you look at electricity, even the 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 fight between Edison and and uh, Tesla, you would see how. <coughs> excuse me, you guys. I'm sorry. You would see how Edison knew the nature of humanity and was able to do a bit of fear mongering right around the time when they were both up for the Chicago World's Fair contract to light it. Um, and so electricity was one. Think about x-rays. When they discovered x-rays and, and people were like, they'll kill you, they'll kill you. And you know what? They will. So will electricity. All these things will kill you if you don't know how to use them. But there was always this blanket um, paintbrush that was swiped around the whole of something new, some new technology, some new way of doing things. And think about microwaves. All of the, I don't want to call them urban legends, but all of the stories of if you stand directly in front of it, it'll make you sterile. It'll cook you from the out, from the inside and all this kind of stuff. And now we even have 5G towers. 
Same thing. And so this is more of the same of our humanity, uh, that whenever something new comes in that we don't understand, and especially if we can't see it tangibly of what makes it tick, what makes it work, oh, honey, baby, there is a high propensity that you're going to get a lot of pushback from well-meaning people that are certain, oh God, if you will, that it's going to be harmful. And that is part of some one of the things that I want to bring up with regards to the process of beginnings. So let th- thank you for allowing me to set this up. So let's get into uh, some observations about our environment and our community. Because once you get past the idea and the notion of something coming up, and I'm talking about for the general public, I'm not talking for the people about the people who are creating the newness or the entities that are creating it, whether it be an event or a corporation or something. I'm talking about once it is unleashed into the general pop, general population, we call that a market in business. And I'm going to use that same terminology to talk with us today about people and our society and our environment. So there are at any given time, five different sectors of our environment or our market. And there, over time, we have taken this to be this, you know, the standard. Now, of course, this could waver, but for, for the most part, this is a sweet spot of what we know about the five different movements of a society. And the first one is going to be your innovators. And the thing about innovators is out of all of the five, they are the lowest percentage. They only represent two and a half percent of the population. Now, with the innovators, the innovators are all about the newness. They are about uh, the thrill-seeking, if you will. They are sometimes counted as brave and courageous when that's not necessarily it. They're just enamored with anything new. That's what gets their rocks off. And they do take a lot of damage. You know, they're the ones that go in and mess with x-rays without protection and get hurt. (laughs) They are the ones that do a lot of things that help us to learn how to harness the power of something that can be so benevolent as well as malevolent at the same time. So they do help us, but for them, they are first and they love that. I mean, you can even see it in um, comments when people come in to comment on something. Sometimes all they want to say is first. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, okay, you are. these are what we would call innovators, but not necessarily innovators in that they're doing something. It's just that they have this need to go out into the world and um, be the first to do things. And like I said, they do take a lot of damage uh, for being the first. They are the ones that are going to catch a lot of the booby traps and the and the stuff that we uh, learn from their mistakes and their premature actions. And so they do us a service, but it's only two and a half percent of them. But then this is the next sector. And uh, these are the ones that we would count as heroes and being brave. And these are called the early adopters. And they represent about 13 and a half percent of the population. Just 13 and a half percent, okay? So, 
for them, they're going to be the ones who are uh, going to look at whatever this is new and find the benefits from it. Find a way for it to be industrious, to help them. Um, They are all about getting in while there's not a lot of competition, not a lot of elbowing, fighting or whatever, to learn how to work with something and make it their own. And they're really good at influencing people. So when you talk about influencers, not just socially, but influencers, people who we tend to listen to, they're going to normally be these early adopters because they're not necessarily waiting for anybody else. And yes, they are aware of the innovators and the innovators sometimes might catch their eye. But for them, they go in once the innovators have, you know, like I said, got some of the booby traps or uh, even made them aware that something new exists. And they go in and they start to look at how can we make this beneficial? How can we make it safe? Um, how can we make it where it improves our standard of living, our understanding of life or whatever it may be? And they are influential because unlike the innovators who are only really interested in the new, the now and the next um, and don't care to really tell anybody about the new, the now, the next, the um the early adopters do. And so once the early adopters do so, now mind you, by now, 16% of the general population has started to embrace the new. And the reason why I want to say that about the process of new beginnings is because it takes time for each one of these sectors to, to work through, especially the front end. It takes a minute for early adopters to even figure out what the innovators are up to. And then it takes a minute for the early adopters to smooth out stuff so that we can uh, make it palatable to others um, and, and find the benefits of how this will help us and not hurt us or even kill us. So that takes time. Then after the early adopters have gone through and made this beneficial and worked out the kinks and stuff, they normally will present package or uh, remove the dangerous stuff. And what will happen is the next group, which is the early majority. Now, if you were looking at this on a bell curve, the innovators are way out there on the left of uh, the bell curve by themselves. Then when you start the upswing, that's where your early adopters are going to be. Then when you get to the top, you know, that middle part, the, the, the section of the bell curve, the left part of that is going to be your early majority. And the right part or the second part of that bell curve is going to be your late majority. And each one of them constitutes roughly 34%. So if you look at this, 68% of the world or the market share or the, uh, the segments, if you will, represents 68% of everybody. So this is where, like they said, the majority lives. But there's an early majority and a late majority. The early majority is usually uh, always on the hunt for what the early adopters are doing. And they only come in when they can see uh, 
that is safe to come in. <laughs> it's no like it's safe to, you know, come in, you guys. They are the ones that are looking at how uh how many people are are willing to say this is okay. Uh, if you are a person that you didn't necessarily see something that everybody knows, but when you go and look at it, it seems like, wow, I'm kind of late to the party because there's a lot of reviews, a lot of social proof that it's okay. It's not going to kill you. You know, those kind of things. You're probably in this early majority because you want to make sure that it's been tested and that uh, they've worked out the kinks. And so then you go in now. Get this, the early majority is still way ahead of the late majority. The early majority, I hate to say it, but they, are t- they tend to be more liberal with their views. They tend to be more free and open and flexible to uh, what they're willing to try. They have a bit of wanderlust if you look at it. They don't uh, like to just stay with stuff because this is how we've always do- done it. They are always willing to entertain uh, new technologies, new ways of doing things, especially if they get bored or if it's been a while. And so they normally look toward the early adopters for this, all right? So then once the early majority comes in and they're starting to use it, they like to chatter and talk about it. And and this is when something is normally becoming a trend the late majority will say, well, what is this? The late majority is known for being uh, curious after the fact, meaning, well, it seems like everybody is on this. I guess I'll look into it, you know? Um, And they tend to be more conservative in how they do things. They are not, you hear me? They are not going to give up something. They're, They're of the opinion, if it ain't fixed, don't break it. And they are of the opinion of, I'm not moving just because you are. But what they will do is they'll give it a try. They'll give it a look. And if it tends to give them more benefit or where they can um, be assured that it's safe, that it's not a waste of their time or their money, that, you know, usually the learning curve has been flattened because so many people are now doing it that it's easy. That's when they come in. And I want you to know that this life cycle of something new coming in just to get to this point takes a while. But then the last 16% of the of the, the market segment or our environment is full of laggards. Um, these are Ludites, you know, if you will, people who, if they could, they would continue to have an operator with a telephone. When they pick it up, someone would be able to place their call or they would be a person that still only wants a flip phone because a phone should be a phone. It shouldn't do all this stuff that your smartphones do. They tend to only join the majority when what they use and what they want is no longer supported, no longer in use, or they can't get what they have serviced. And I'm going to tell you, out of all of these, you can be each one of these in different areas of your life. 
So don't just say, oh, I'm an innovator or I'm an early adopter or whatever. No, you could be any one of these depending on the area in your life. Now, why did I just spend all this time going over these different parts of um, the environment? It is because based on where you fall in this with regards to what is new in your life, I'm trying to help you embrace wisdom so that you'll understand how you naturally tick and how to update that so that you can move accordingly. Because if you are a laggard, now with this particular big move of how the world is changing, it's not going to go well. It's just not. Sorry. So now let me get into the practical part of this uh, wisdom thing, because the process of beginning is not just as easy as you think. The other day I talked about, you know, how to get yourself to do stuff and working through critical thinking and getting um getting rid of the pain and the fear. And so today this is going to be like the next stage of how to actually get going. So one of the things I'm going to tell you is that you'll spend a lot of time conquering the fear of the unknown and the apprehension of getting started on something new. Have you ever seen runners when, especially sprinters, when they are about to take off, they rise up? Well, not sprinters, um, uh, people who, who do high jumps. I like watching them. They they rise up and they lean back and they look at the thing and then they rock a little bit. And only when they have started rocking to get that body ready to shoot off, they shoot off and they run and then they jump and they get over the hurdles. And it is, to me, a perfect analogy of how you you go in and what is required. I've even talked about priming the pump. And when you come to a well, how much energy it takes just to get the pressure to push the water up before you see any kind of signs that you're going to get some water. This is no different. And if you are aware that not only are you dealing with um, the conquer, the, the fear of not knowing what you're doing and the apprehension of having to start something new, be aware that it's going to take some time before you even see anything. So you're not going to get any feedback that something is going right. But that doesn't mean that you stop. You keep going. So once that's step number one, be aware of the fears and the apprehensions and be willing to comp- to conquer, overcoming them by knowing what you know instead of believing what you see. So number two is you're going to need to go it alone. You're going to have to in this new beginning, especially now, because nobody knows what to do. Everybody is in this uh, for the first time. It's been over 100 years since we have been in this predicament of life after, uh, um, not even after, we're still in it, of of working through life and still needing to work during the pandemic. So you need to uh, learn to eliminate the need to get a lot of buy-in or confirmation on what you're about to do or whether this is the right move. You're going to have to start believing in yourself and knowing that you know that what you're doing, you do it and you, you reap or suffer the consequences of the results, but you do it. So repeating, the first one is... Understanding that you're going to have to conquer your fears and your apprehensions about the unknown. Number two, eliminate that need to get buy-in from people because they don't know either. Do what you need to do because you need to start. you got to start your beginning. Number three, 
is once you get started, you have to realize that you got to be in this for the long haul. And that means that you got to stick with it. You got to continue to pump that pump, believing that the water will eventually come. That means that you need to start building your momentum to get movement. Build your momentum to get progress, to move forward, to move wherever you're trying to move. But understand that it takes time and energy and commitment to move, to get some movement. Number four, you need to gain traction to see results. And when I talk about gaining traction, it's not enough for you to get that first trickle of water and then throw your hands up and say, oh, we're cooking now. Mm -mm, You got to keep pumping, keep moving, keep moving because you have to find your footing and find your traction so that you will now see results. Too many times people have a success of, um, doing something and then lose the momentum because they didn't gain enough traction to get their the the elements uh to get physics working for them you know to keep you movement you know um uh object in uh, motion will continue to stay in motion until the opposite opposing force stops and, you know all of the generalized physics stuff you got to continue and gain your traction so that you can see results number 5 you need to Stabilize your process to ensure continued progress. I'm going to say that one again. So once you've gained this this traction so that you start seeing results, you can't give up even then. You have to then start working with how to stabilize your process. And when I say stabilize your process, how can you keep this going? What can you do to ensure that you don't give out, exhaust your resources, your energy, your input, uh, what your uh, what? the people who, you know, may need to contribute. In the business world, we would call part of this the market forces that are bearing down on what you're trying to do. But in your life, just realize that you need to figure out a doable daily process that doesn't kill you. Because doing this and paying attention and knowing that there is a process that you need to have will ensure or hopefully ensure continued progress. It is said that what you pay attention to grows and flourishes. And then number six, you need to know when to scale up your efforts, meaning that once you have your process stabilized and you have progress that's continual, you need to learn how to expand it, make it larger, bigger, wider, deeper, higher, but You have to keep moving because that is the law of human nature. We are always made to change because we are energy moving, always moving, constantly moving into and out of form, ever changing. And if you get stuck on just trying to keep your process at a certain level and you're not willing to continue to not only scale it up, but be willing to evolve it and even change it, then you're headed for certain death. And so I want you to grasp the knowledge that new things are here and you can control to a certain amount. If not control, you can manage the process. This is going to remind you 
of birthing a baby and trying to raise it. This is going to remind you of all the fears you have about stuff from the unknown, but that's normal because you're human. Well, I think you're human. And it's it's DNA, DNA encoded into us to fear the unknown because that used to mean possible death for us if we didn't. But and then on top of that, there are certain things that there's nothing new under the sun. And when you are beginning something, it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of mental flow. Now, you guys, I've told you before, I don't use the word, um, I don't use the word, uh, mental uh, mindset because the brain, just like everything else, is always changing into out of form, uh, always growing. And so I never want anything set about my ability to continue to grow. So I use mind flow. So same thing, I guess. Um, But when you are looking at this, understand that your mind flow has to be that. It has to be continuously flowing and growing, uh, pushing out that that no longer serves you, old beliefs that have fallen away, give them a proper burial and keep it moving and eat the fish, leave the bones, the foundational stuff that is eternal, stick with that and build upon it and and allow it to show you different iterations to meet what the environment and the times call for. So in our last few minutes, I'm going to do a quick little recap to make sure that This makes common sense, okay? So in the process of building, understand first and foremost that as humans, you're going to be scared. Anytime something new comes, because we don't know it and we have this desire to know stuff before we do it, it's going to be fearful. You're actually going to have very impressive people possibly telling you, don't do that. Oh, you're going to be in for it. Don't do that. But then, You're going to do yourself a favor if you quickly realize the different market sectors and the one that you need to be in. I'm going to tell you, I didn't say this when I was going through them, but the best place to be is an early adopter when you sense something new is coming down the pike. That 13 and a half percent, because not only do they tend to be the influential people, they tend to benefit the most from the new stuff. Innovators are so busy just looking for new stuff that they don't really take the time to learn the benefits before they're on to something else. But it's those early adopters that create the wave for the entire remaining part of the environment to follow. And I want to make sure I say this. Innovators and adopters, if you put them together, they represent 16% of our in our economy, our environment, our society. And isn't it funny that that is the same amount as we know for right now of laggards? So I would tell you, if you're one of, if you're from the church of the last minute and you don't want to move, please don't be the last ones. Go and try out being an early adopter and see what it feels like. Because you're used to being on the end of a bell curve. Just go to the other side, okay? And in my last few seconds, let me just quickly go through this. So for the steps of getting yourself ready, conquer your fears and your apprehensions. Eliminate the need to get feedback from other people. Build momentum to get movement. Gain traction so that you can see results. And then stabilize your process to ensure that you have continued progress. And make sure that you know when to scale up your efforts 
or to change them, update them, evolve them so that you're always staying in the now with what needs to be done to continue building your process of always beginning and achieving and having. So my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget, check the show notes, like, subscribe, share, and even contribute to uh, the podcast so that we can keep it going. And I'm going to see you later. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.